It is so good to be in the Lord's house this morning. It is so good to be worshiping with you. And I'm so excited about this morning together. Um, and so I invite us to, to just turn our attention into what God might have to say to us this morning. I love the story about Ruth Center. She's an author. And she was talking about how in her family, um, it didn't seem like a big deal at the time, but periodically they would rearrange their furniture or change their furniture out. Not rearrange it, change it out. And so one year it was time to get rid of the old gold sofa. And so they went ahead and pulled it out of the family room, but they didn't replace it immediately. And what they discovered is that as time went on, folks didn't go and gather in that family room anymore. Um, there wasn't a place for them to, to sit and to be close to one another and to gather and have conversation. And so every once in a while, someone would come in if they wanted to use one of the books or the encyclopedias, a reference book, whatever. They would sit at granddad's old desk and do what they needed to do. And every once in a while, she said, the men of the family would, would go in there. Or there must have been a television, so when they wanted to watch a game, then they would gather to watch the game because of the TV. But for the most part, no one was going back into the family room again. Um, they thought, well, the kids can use the pillows on the ground. It wasn't that big of a deal, but it was. It ended up being a really big deal because with the loss of the sofa was a loss of connection in that space. It was a loss of gathering. It was a loss of sharing. It was a loss of looking at one another and talking in meaningful ways. For that family, it was the furniture that nurtured the connection. But I wonder, what are the barriers that keep us from connecting with one another? Is it time? Is it technology? It's not the way the furniture is arranged. Like, we know that, right? Is it fear of intimacy, of who we are trusting with who we really are? Is it fear of rejection or judgment when others see what we think or feel? Or do we just not know how to connect with one another? Connection. That's what we're going to talk about today as we continue our sermon series, Your Next Step, uh, Discipleship Journey. This is the name of our disciple-making system that we are rolling out this series. And I'm so excited. I'm so excited to continue to share with you God's big hopes for us here at Boone UMC. I'm so excited about what will happen in the coming year. And I'm most excited because God's dreams for us involves each and every one of you. Now, each week I take a second to remind us of our vision statement, which was truly the foundational inspiration for all of this discipleship work. And so um, Boone United Methodist Church believes that God is calling us or moving us into becoming deeply transformed disciples who live for the transformation of hearts, the church, the community, and the world. And our future hope is that we become transformed disciples, that we can look at our lives and we can see how Jesus being a part of our lives makes us different, changes us from who we used to be, and also helps us to be change agents for good for God's kingdom in the world. And that sounds exciting to me. I hope it does to you as well. 
Now, last week I shared five of our guiding principles that the team used to shape the system, and this is really important stuff. We believe these principles are important and they are foundational for any discipleship journey. But because I keep building on what in the world we're talking about, it gets a little bit overwhelming. So I tried something new today. We'll see if you like it or you hate it. <clears throat> uh, but there's an insert in your, your bulletin that has a whole bunch of helpful information. And it also has a few blanks. So just to keep you like focused and connected in, you can fill in a word every once in a while um, so that you can track along with me. But last week we talked about these five principles. Discipleship is not a program, it is a process of spiritual formation. Y'all, it's not a class that you will attend and magically become a transformed disciple. We also, number two, honor that people are at different stages of discipleship because it is a journey. Discipleship involves the work of the Holy Spirit and the ongoing commitment of each individual. So it's teamwork, requires some effort on our part, but it is a whole lot of contributions provided by the Holy Spirit. And however, at the heart of it all, God wants something for you, not from you, for you, a transformed life that's rich in Jesus Christ. And we are transformed into disciples when we are in relationship with God and with others. So today I add two more guiding principles. Number six, all that we do must be grounded in love. And that's the word that goes in your blank, love. This includes loving God through worship and devotion, loving others through service, and loving ourselves with grace. The seventh principle, part of being in relationship with one another involves building trust in order to be vulnerable. We take um, seriously entrusting others, um, we take seriously entrusting others with our spiritual journey. And the word is trust for your blank. I think we would all agree though that you can't become a transformed disciple without learning how to love like Jesus loves. If love is not part of what we are doing, then we are missing something completely. Um, and as we will see today, our relationships with one another also are super important. They deeply um, help us to love and grow as disciples by connecting with one another. So, in order to help us understand these various ways that we connect, and Candace did a marvelous job with that, with the children's blessing this morning, but we're going to um, look to Jesus as, as our um, primary example. It's a strange reading this morning, so I want you just, to, I want to invite you to just take a breath and listen from the 30,000 foot view, okay? Notice how Jesus moves in and out of various groups and connections um, in the life of his ministry. Because I'm going to be skipping around. And so for some of you that might be incredibly frustrating. But we just want you to get big picture. To notice that different things happen at different levels of connection. So I invite you to hear selected verses from Luke chapter 8 and 9. Soon afterward, Jesus traveled through the cities and villages, preaching and proclaiming the good news of God's kingdom. The twelve were with him, two along, two along with some women who had been healed of evil spirits and sicknesses. 
and many others who provided for them out of their resources. So here paints a scene of a group of 12, the disciples, plus a group of women who were traveling and supporting the ministry along with Jesus. And then, when a great crowd, all right, great crowd, a multitude, was gathering and people were coming to Jesus from one city after another, he spoke to them in a parable. A farmer went out to scatter his seed. As he was scattering it, some fell on the path where it was crushed, and the birds in the sky came and ate it. Other seed fell on rock. As it grew, it dried up because it had no moisture. Other seed fell among thorny plants. The thorns grew with the plants and choked them. Still other seed landed on good soil. When it grew, it produced 100 times more grain than was scattered. As he said this, he called out, everyone who has ears should pay attention. His disciples asked him what this parable meant. He said, so notice he preached the sermon to the multitudes, but then afterwards gathered with his disciples to offer an explanation and a conversation. Chapter 9, Jesus called the twelve together and he gave them power and authority over all demons and to heal sicknesses. He, went, uh, he sent them out to proclaim God's kingdom and to heal the sick. When the apostles returned, they described for Jesus what they had done. Taking them with him, Jesus withdrew privately to a city called Bethsaida. When the crowds figured it out, they followed him. He welcomed them, spoke to them about God's kingdom, and healed those who were sick. So again, movement with the 12 disciples that he sent out, came back, they were processing it together, what had happened, the crowds come, a teaching moment. Once when Jesus was praying by himself, again, connecting with God, the disciples joined him. And he asked them, who do the crowds say that I am? And then follows a conversation. About eight days after Jesus said these things, he took Peter, John, and James and went up on a mountain to pray. As he was praying, the appearance of his face changed and his clothes flashed white like lightning. And we know then he goes on to tell us about the transfiguration that he shared with these three. The next day when Jesus, Peter, John, and James had come down from the mountain, a large crowd met Jesus back into it again with the multitudes. While everyone was marveling at everything he was doing, Jesus said to his disciples, take these words to heart. Friends, this too is God's word for all God's people. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Lord, we know that our spiritual life is an ongoing journey. May your word this morning prepare us for new possibilities and help us to bear fruit in your name. Amen. So there was a man who was genuinely attracted to the gospel and to Jesus, and he, he came to church for several months. Um, and while he was there, um, he was asked, you know, why he didn't step up and be baptized as a Christian. And so he described his experience like this. He said, it's, it's felt like um, trying to get on a train and going to the conductor and saying, how much? And the conductor says, your life. And with that response, I felt like uh, just going to the caboose and just hiding out there for a while. Now, 
I wonder how many of us feel similar to that. That we contemplate our relationship with Jesus and what we think or we know that scripture says about what it means to be a Jesus follower um, causes us to be like the man, to go and start hiding in the caboose. We want to be faithful to Jesus and we've even promised to do so in our lives. But we don't really know how to actually do it. We're not really sure we can do it. So we lurk in the shadows of faith and we look on from a distance. We may even find ourselves in a position of leadership in the church, but while we know something about what it is we've been specifically asked to do when it comes to discipleship or our relationship with Jesus, we're hanging out in the caboose. Today, I wanna to invite you to explore the whole train of discipleship to recognize that wherever we are on our faith journey, we don't have to figure it out alone. And God longs for us to connect with and travel with others. Discipleship is not only a joint effort, but it happens over time and it happens in stages. And our discipleship team gave names for this, this process, this journey. And so we use the following terms. Um, some folks may find themselves in that exploring stage, like the man in the caboose just getting started, um, just curious about Jesus and, and trying to, to begin to figure some things out. And at some point, folks move into a building stage where they're building on that foundation of faith, and it's somewhere in this point in time where eventually we make a commitment to Jesus. We profess our faith in Jesus. And then some folks find themselves in the thriving stage where they're continuing to grow in their faith. And if you're familiar with Wesleyan terms, this is our sanctifying grace where, where we are continuing to practice growing more and more in love with Jesus. And some people find themselves in the leading phase where they are helping to lead and invite others on this journey to share with others what they have experienced themselves. Can you find yourself somewhere in these categories? As you look at these words, you might realize, gosh, I've been at one point or another in all four of those sometime in my life. And that's a good point because it's, it is, it's fluid. It's a back and forth kind of journey. It is not necessarily linear, even though it may sound like that sometimes. And that's okay to be back and forth. The point is that wherever you are to keep moving, growing, and maturing. So when we talk about taking your next steps in order to grow in your relationship with Jesus, what in the world do we mean? We believe there's three main pathways to, uh, in discipleship to explore that relationship with Jesus, to move from exploring and in and among those categories to leading. Those three pathways include connecting, serving, and growing spiritually. Connecting is the next. I can see all of y'all with your pens in hand, just filling out that form as soon as we get there. Okay, it's all right. Um, but connecting is the, one, the, the first of the three pathways, and that's what we're talking about today. We'll talk about the other two in the coming weeks. Um, and so this takes us back to our scripture lesson this morning. 
to talk about the connecting. One of the things we notice when we do that, that step back look at Jesus's ministry is we see he interacted in a variety of settings with a variety of groups of people for a variety of reasons. It's important to look at who was gathered and what they were doing. In the course of these two chapters, which covered a few weeks in the life of Jesus's ministry, he moved back and forth between his interactions with others because sometimes he was alone. He was praying. He was connecting with God in a personal kind of one-on-one -on -one way. At other times, uh, uh, the rest of the time, he was connecting and interacting, though, with people. He spent a great deal of time with the group of 12, his disciples. This was the core group that he taught constantly, who helped serve and manage the crowds with him, who even joined in with his healing ministry. But he had more than just his 12 that traveled with him and listened to his lessons. These were the posse of folks that followed him and supported his ministry, and at times they were the recipients of his teaching and conversation. And of course, there were the great crowds and multitudes who listened to his preaching and just longed to be in his presence. I think of this as a concert or a revival worship. Then there were those times, though, when he pulled a few select people, the disciples like Peter, James, and John. He pulled them to the side for a more intimate and private experience with them. Like when the four of them experienced Jesus's transfiguration, y'all, that was a very personal and even vulnerable moment for Jesus. And he knew that not everybody could handle or understand what was happening. So he shared that experience with only those he felt he could trust to handle it. Jesus moved back and forth among groups, teaching and preaching, praying and sharing and listening and questioning and dialoguing and doing ministry together. We believe Jesus intends for us to gather in similar gatherings in order for us to worship and dialogue and share personally and listen and grow together. So taking steps in this connecting pathway might involve opportunities like regular participation in worship. It might look like attending a social or fellowship opportunity so you can get to know people beyond your usual church circles. It might look like small groups. It might look like finding just one activity, just one outside of Sunday worship to participate in. It might look like taking a leadership position. It might look like making a commitment to join a community group. Community group for us is a, a more intensive weekly small group gathering of folks. I'll talk about it in a second. It might look like look, looking at our service opportunities as a chance to get to know others better. <clears throat> so you see taking steps in connecting, oh, it means more than just meeting people in the church. It means forming meaningful relationships in our lives. We know that we can be surrounded by a lot of people, but know um, and be known by few, right? We can know lots of folks, but be known by few. We connect in different ways at different levels with each other. And because there is connecting value at all four of these levels we're gonna talk about, we imagine this as an ice cream cone. So that the relationships narrow the deeper we go. And it looks something like this. 
Now, I must confess that the copier did something weird and I printed all the copies before I noticed it and I wasn't gonna go back and reprint them. So you have part of an ice cream cone on your handout. So I invite you to use your artistic skills and finish the drawing. But the widest part of that cone at the top represents the great crowds, which we call corporate connecting. And this is the opportunity for us to gather as a large group. It allows us to hear the same message at one time. It allows us to share corporate experience like worship where we bond and connect as the Holy Spirit moves in and among us. And God can shape and even capture our attention in those corporate experiences. Then we move down the cone to social connections. These involve a bit smaller gathering than worship uh, and opportunities to connect and talk that worship just doesn't offer. We think of our social opportunities like the Thanksgiving dinner um, or even coming up, the very next one is Tuesday, February 25th is Fat Tuesday, the Tuesday before Ash Wednesday, and we'll gather and eat pancakes together. But we can mingle with folks we don't normally connect with in our Sunday school classes or even who we sit with near, near during worship. Then the next kind of connecting with others we call personal. Okay, so corporate, social, personal. This involves a smaller group of people that we tend to meet with a bit more repeatedly. Um, we have the chance to get to know better and they get to know us better. So this would include Sunday school classes, committees or teams that you are a part of, that you serve on. Oftentimes we learn well, so Bible studies, we learn at this level and we begin to feel much more connected with others at this level. But it's not the last level. The very tip of our ice cream cone brings us to the point, which at the bottom uh, is when we gather, it's the smallest and it's the most intentional of gatherings. And we've categorized this as intimate because these are the closest relationships that we have with others. This is like James, John, Peter, and Jesus. These are those gatherings which must uh, have trust. We have to trust in order for us to be able to share, to be comfortable, to be vulnerable with others, to truly lay out our heart concerns, our struggles, and our deepest joys. And this isn't easy to maintain. It's not. But it can be where some of God's best work takes place in our discipleship journey. Here at BUMC, this gathering might take place in what we call community groups, which are weekly gatherings where folks share life together, study scripture together, pray for and care for one another. It's important to remember that God works within our lives in each of these gatherings. And we need a balance of these type of gatherings. If we find ourselves just in the corporate worship, we're missing the opportunity to connect and relate and share and have conversation with one another. But if we're only huddled in our intimate um, community group, then we're missing the opportunity of being part of the corporate body of Christ and seeing the big picture of how God is moving in and among us and the opportunity to get excited about what God is doing. There's gotta be balance. Just like in our scripture reading, Jesus preached about the parable of the seeds to the crowds, 
but then afterwards took time with the gathered disciples in small group to discuss and dialogue about what each kind of soil meant and how we can better nurture our relationship with Jesus by tending to the kind of soil that Jesus' word falls into. And we want Jesus' word to fall into your very best soil. We want to provide you with a variety of ways to connect with one another so that as you travel your particular discipleship journey, we've all got help all along the way from one another. We're reminded we weren't meant to hide in that caboose all alone. We're meant to travel together, helping each other all along, learning from one another, encouraging each other, and caring for and receiving care from one another. So as you think about your own spiritual life right now, think about your particular connections. Are you a lone ranger? Or are you a social butterfly? Do you have meaningful connections and relationships with other Christians? Can you invite other Christians into meaningful relationships with you or others? How can you take a next step in connecting with others? We really look forward to helping you consider this, to figure it out over the coming weeks and months. It's not going to happen today. We're not asking you to figure it out today. But I want you to reflect on the meaningful relationships in your life. And when you have really felt connected, what impact did that have on your faith? What impact did those connections have on shaping your faith? Let us pray. Lord, help us to understand this one important point, that the closer we draw to one another, the closer we draw to you. Help us to take a step towards you by building significant relationships with our brothers and sisters here at Boone UMC. Amen.